Hello everyone, this is Shalom Baum. We are learning Daf HaShavua, beginning with Masech Ksuvos, Daf Beis Amid Aleph. I'm going to give a very brief introduction of how Daf HaShavua works with our Ketcha Torah group, for those that are joining for the first time. For those that have been with us for the many Masechtos, or even one Masechta, welcome back. And uh, bear with me as we explain the operation. We try every Thursday, sometimes it ends up being on Friday, to send out a recording from myself. Sometimes we have the great schluss of uh, some guests giving shiurim. If anybody is ever interested in giving a guest shiur, let me know. I'll make sure to get you into the schedule. But generally, you're going to have to hear from me, sometimes Rabbi Israeli. And what happens is I try to focus on practical halachic issues that are relevant to us today from the daf. Sometimes I'll provide background, which will help set us up for halachic issues that will come that day or in the weeks to come. Now, as far as scheduling your learning, it's really up to you. Before you listen to the shir, it is best that you have already prepared the daf, either with a friend, a chavrusa, by yourself, which is, of course, an option, maybe someone from the family. And there are many ways to do that. You could go use an art scroll, Gemara. I think Masechus um, Ksuvos, as I was told by someone in the group, has uh, three Gemaras, but start off with uh, the first volume. Some of you may want to use a Masifta Gemara. Some of you may want to use just a regular Gemara. And whatever it is, come prepared. Many people do not have a chance to listen to it on Thursday or Friday, so you listen to it on Sunday. I know a lot of the people do the hachan of the preparation on Shabbos. There are even people that have chavrusas. Um, if anybody's looking for a chavrusa, you could let me know, and maybe we could set up some shiduch and we can match some people up in the spirit of our learning. It would be beautiful. So that's basically uh, what happens. Now, we started the Seder Nashim with Meseches Yevamos. You may wait, remember those that were with us for Yevamos and Kalakavod for those that hung in there. We learned it for over two years. So in Meseches Yevamos, in the beginning, we discussed what exactly Meseches Yevamos is doing at the very beginning of Nashim. And we're not going to go over that, but for those of you that did learn with us Meseches Yevamos, you will see that there are uh, many things that we learned in Meseches Yevamos, aside from the issue of Yibam and Chalitza, which is also relevant to this Mesechta, but many of the things that we learned are relevant to Meseches Ksuvos as well. And you may have expected Meseches Ksuvos to actually be the first, the beginning of Seder Nashim, but it's number two. But we do end up having a lot of introduction from Meseches Yivamos. Some of the things that I say, especially today, some of you will know from Meseches Yivamos or from other learning. But before jumping into the practical, Halacha which I will do even today, I have to give you some background. And you know, I'll try to point out when the information that we have in the Mishnah or the Gemara 
is halacha lamasa today or only something practiced in the past? And that's going to be very important to understand much of what we find in Mesechus Ksivos. One more point of introduction that will help our learning is to have a copy of the Rambam. The Rambam in the section called Hilchos Ishut, Hilchos Ishus, which is, uh, covers much of marriage. We'll very often be quoting from it. Even when we go halacha lamasa, which you can't necessarily paskin by looking at a Rambam, we're Ashkenazim and even Sephardim generally are going to go look at the Mechaber, Rabbi Yosef Karos Shulchan Aruch, but it will very often serve as uh, the place that we start off from, at least after the Gemara. Um, the way we look at the Rambam in this year, and generally that's uh, my approach that I've learned from my Rebbe and uh, some others, is the Rambam is not just a halacha sefer, it's also a perish on the Gemara. So it's important. And uh, there are a number of additions. If you're comfortable with the Hebrew, there's a uh, two additions that I would suggest. Um, if you could handle it without Nakudos, there's the Frankel edition. There is also something called Rambam La'am. It just has the Rambam, but with Nakudos. And the Rambam is not so difficult to read. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on the topic. There's also a phenomenal edition of the Rambam, and you could just buy probably at any uh, Judaic store online, look at Maznayim, I think it's Maznayim.com. They produce the Rambam Mishnah Torah in Hebrew and English. It has Nikudos in Hebrew. The English uh, is tremendous. It's Rav Tagar who did it. I don't know if there was originally only a Hebrew edition, but the English footnotes are great. And sometimes you'll find things in there that you're not going to find anywhere else. It's one volume called Hilchot Ishut. Okay, let's talk a little bit, without going through the sources yet, about some of the things that we're going to see in Meseches Ksuvos and just understanding a little bit of the structure. Now, you would expect Meseches Ksuvos would be filled with the laws of the Ksuba. We'll get to it. The reality is that Meseches Ksuvos is known as Shas Katan. I mentioned that in the PR for this year. You don't find any Rishonim, as far as I know, that are referring to it as Shas Katan. But what it means by Shas Katan, and you do see this language in a number of Achronim, and especially in more contemporary sources, is that you have so many different topics that go beyond the Ksuba. And we already see on the first staff we get to the halachas of Gidon. That's a whole separate mesechta. But even beyond Ishus, which means, you know, Ksuba, Kiddushin, even Yevamos, um, and other areas of Ishus, we're going to get into other topics that are included as well. But we're going to try to focus as much as possible on areas of Ishus, which in general is marriage. So it's important to keep in mind some of the history here. The Rambam tells us, beginning of Hilchas Ishus, that before Matan Torah, before the Torah was given, marriage was very informal. Somebody would, a man and a woman would meet in the Shuk or any place that they would uh, get together, and they would uh, maybe go to some authority, depending on where they were living, 
and they would be man and wife. But there was no process involved, obviously no halachic process before Har Sinai. Once Sinai comes along, the Chachamim instituted, not the Chachamim, the Torah instituted something called Kiddushin. Now, rabbis very often, instead of Kiddushin, they say Erisin. Instead of Erisin, they say Kiddushin. That's what we call halachic engagement. So that happens in Matan Torah. It's a two-stage process. You have Kiddushin and you have Nisuin. Now, in the time of the Gemara, Kiddushin could take place a year in advance of the Nisuin. But once the Kiddushin takes place, the woman, for all intents and purposes, is halachically married, which means a number of things. Number one, if God forbid she has she gets together with someone else, with another man, she will now be prohibited to go back with her husband, who is the husband even if they've never lived together. We've learned something in Yavamos, and again, it was not its source was not Yavamos, but we had mentioned it that if someone has an affair, they are usur labal, they're prohibited to their husband, they're also prohibited to the person that they had the relationship with. That's part of what happens with Kiddushin 12 months in advance, even though she is still living in her father's house. On a Doraisa level, after Kiddushin, the husband has a responsibility to support his wife, but the Drabanan, the Chachamim, actually pushed that off to 12 months, and uh, some of those issues come up right away on our daf with the issue of ones. What happens in a situation where he doesn't come back or up into a year they made a deal that he has to start supporting her and for some reason the wedding is delayed. Those are some of the practical issues that come up on our daf. Now the reason why it's not so practical today is because today the Arison slash Kiddushin, we're going to use those two terms interchangeably, that takes place under the chuppah together with the Nisuin. Now, we have a break. That's generally when the ksuba is read. But the Arison, and, the Arison slash Kiddushin and the Nisuin takes place under the chuppah. Now, what's happening with the Nisuin under the chuppah? There are four different ways that Nisuin could take place. This is based on a Machlokas Rishonim. When it comes to Kiddushin, everybody knows that Kiddushin is no Machlokas, right? Kiddushin could be done in one of three ways, whether Kesef, through money, that's what we use a ring for, which has a source, and or Shtar, that could be a contract, or Bia. The, the Bia approach, which is having relations, is effective, but it is condemned. We learned this as well in Mesechus Yavamos, and it comes up in other places as well. Chachamim were not satisfied with Bia taking place as the source of Kiddushin. And then Nisuin takes place in one of four ways. Let's just assume for our purposes that the Nisuin takes place under the chuppah, and there's really, we say under the chuppah, there's some kind of canopy over the chassan and the kala, and the sheva brachos taking place. Now, the nisuin is not clear-cut like the kiddushin. 
And that's why you end up having today a whole bunch of different minhagim. You know, you have something called a bedecking. According to some views, I'm not giving you the sources yet. We'll get to this. A bedecking could take place and may actually effectuate nisuin. Now, how you could have nisuin before Kiddushin, that's a good question, which we're not going to address right now. You will know that sometimes, uh, and I was, uh, this happened at my daughter's wedding in Eretz Yisrael, the Messiah Kedushin wanted there to be a day bedecking. According to others, it takes place in the Yichud room. So that's why you have Adam outside. So under the chuppah, yes, they're married because there's the Kedushin, but you don't yet have the Nisuin, as well. We tend to call marriage, even though you really married after halachic engagement. And you should know that according to some opinions, it's only going to take place once she enters his home. Now, whether it has to be a home, it could be a hotel room, etc., even if it's uh, not done privately, and there are other opinions that there, she has to at least be right labia, that, uh, and therefore if she would be a nida, she wouldn't be able to have the nisuin. We don't pass on like that today. Now, why it was put together all in one shot is something that we will discuss, but not right now. We discussed that as well in Meseches Yavamas. I just want to point out a mistake that people make. People think that an engagement today, you know, which is generally uh, publicized on YouTube or Instagram, which isn't necessarily the best way to get engaged, it should be probably a little bit more private, but that is still has some halachic significance because Rav, the Gemara tells us, wanted there to be a process, not just that it should happen quickly under the wedding, and therefore he would give Makas Mardus, or he felt the rabbi should give Makas Mardus, which is rabbinic uh, lashes, to someone who doesn't have what's called Shiduchin. The Shiduchin is whether it's technically the engagement or it's the getting to know period that takes place before the Kiddushin. The way my Rebbe Raparnas explained this is the Chachamim basically are copying what the Torah did. The Torah decided to add Kiddushin to um, Nisuin, right? Nisuin was just the old way of getting married, randomly. That was called marriage. There was the Kiddushin aspect that was introduced at Sinai. And then the Chachamim extend the process, but they're basically mirroring what the Torah did with something called Shiduchin, and it does have halachic significance. So that's just a little bit of an intro that uh, gets us into some of the issues that we're going to deal with. You would have expected me, and I'll deal with it now very briefly, to talk about the Ksuba, because you expect that in Masechus Ksuvos, the highlight is going to be the Ksuba, which isn't necessarily true. What exactly is the role of a Ksuba? A ksuba, and again, those that were with us from Masechus Yuvamas, we touched on this. The ksuba deals with financial arrangements between the husband and the wife. It's not only financial arrangements. In the ksuba, you also have other responsibilities that the husband has towards the wife as far as uh, what we call providing food for her, intimacy, and different things, not just if the wedding, if the marriage uh, gets broken. Marriage could be broken in one of two ways, either through a get, through a divorce, or number two, the marriage could get broken through death. The other thing that we're going to have to keep in mind as well, 
is who exactly is being married here? Who is this guy marrying? Is he marrying a basula? A basula is someone who has not had relations. Or is he marrying a baula, someone who has had relations? Let's say typically we're going to use the example as an almana. It could also be a woman who's divorced. And some of the halachas that we mentioned before, specifically the waiting of a year, was not the halacha when it came to an almana. That was a 30-day wait that they would do between the Arison slash Kiddushin and the marriage itself. And even, I would just want to point to the Nisuin itself. And I want to point out something that was very important in Mesechus uh, Yuvamos, which will be important here as well, and just reinforcing the process. I want you to keep that word in mind because you're going to see a lot of what's happening here is process, deliberation, things take time. You know, I spoke a little bit on Yantiv about waiting. So we're going to see even in marriage, that's going to be an important element in the ceremony of marriage, and it's going to take place also after marriage. Sometimes the woman's going to be in need of They're not going to be able to have relations. So there's a lot of discipline that's necessary, which uh, comes up very early on in this Masechta. The concept of Aksuba, as you see in the Gemara, and it's codified in the Rambam in a couple of places, was really instituted on a Drabanan level, so that the man shouldn't just uh, get rid of his wife easily. He has to realize that there's financial responsibilities that go along with it. That's an assumption that the ksuba is a dindarabanan. Now, it's going to be a little bit problematic because the Rambam in two places in Hilchas Ishus says that it's a dindarabanan, but in his introduction to Hilchas Ishus, the Rambam actually says, it's a doraisa, the idea of a ksuba. So that is something that we will address in the future. And reinforcing how necessary the process, and this is going to, again, bring Meseches Yivamos together with Meseches Ksuvos, is that we had in Meseches Yivamos something called mamar. According to the Torah, unlike a marriage, a yibum situation someone's uh, brother dies without children, and this man has Yibam with his uh, ex-sister-in-law, which generally would be considered uh, an Isidaraisa. We're going to read about this on uh, Yom HaKippurim as one of the Arayos. But because of uh, Yibam, they are now connected. It's called the Zika relationship. And according to the Torah, that whole process is really one shot through Bia. But the rabbis were not satisfied with that. They didn't like the, 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 the look of it. They didn't like the uh, maybe how that compared to regular Ishus, and therefore they added an engagement period as well. Even saying Hareat, uh, a little bit of a different language that's used through what was called Ma'amar. So this is just a really important way to set us up. The one issue I want to just address We'll be brief. We'll try to keep this to 20 minutes. A little bit more today is the scheduling of a chasana. Our mission discusses the right time to get married. And at least with the basula that we're going to focus on now for the rest of the year, the wedding should take place, according to the Gemara, the Mishnah, on a Wednesday. Now, when it says Wednesday, that means Tuesday night is fine and Wednesday Technically, it may also mean, once we see the reason in the Gemara, Wednesday night as well. And the reason that's given is that the Bezdin 
would only meet on Mondays and Thursdays. So let's say the Ayerson takes place, especially when it was taking place a year in advance. The Ayerson would take place and the Nisuin a year later. So after the Nisuin, they're able to live together as husband and wife. And he finds that she's not a basula. So aside from the financial issue that uh, he overpaid, or he's promising to overpay, because you pay different for a baula than for a basula, the main issue is that if for some reason she had relations during her, what we call today the engagement, the, the Arisen Kiddushin, which we pointed out before, halachically is marriage, it's just missing the extra piece of Nisuin, then besides whatever's going to happen to her and punishments, she is now prohibited to the husband as well as to the person she had relations with. So you're not just going to believe the guy, you're going to have Besden do an investigation and that investigation is going to start as soon as Besden could meet. So then you could ask the question, why not have a wedding on a Sunday? We're going to learn this as well, that you want to have the chassan who's really supposed to take care of the wedding preparations, it's not so much the way it's done now, have at least three days to be able to prepare. He's not going to be able to prepare on Shabbos. I mentioned in Shul, one night between Menachemar, if someone asked Rebel Yashiv, could you get married during the month of Elul? Maybe that's a distraction. And apparently there were those that would not get married during Rosh Chodesh Elul. The main distraction that they were focusing on is some Rosh Yeshivas didn't want weddings is the beginning of the Zaman. At Elul, where people start learning, and every night uh, they're going to be pulled down to different chasinas, to different weddings, and it would impact the learning. Rabbi Yashiv didn't feel there was an issue at all, and he said maybe this is the mitzvah that could push us over the, you know, the bainanim, could push him over to, by attending the wedding, and that could play a fundamental role in the din, in the judgment that is issued. So that's incredible. And uh, we're actually going to discuss Shabbos Shuvah a little bit, the power of one mitzvah. I wanted to mention briefly, if you look into the Rambam, Hilchas Ishus, Perik Yud, Halacha Dalid, he and this is the big scheduling issues. Don't get married on a Friday and don't get married on a Sunday. Today, so many people get married on Sunday. Bar Hashem, there's another opinion that's brought down in the Mechaber, the, and, which is the opinion of the Torah and the Rush. The reason not to get married on Sunday, there was a concern of Chilol Shabbos. People would prepare for the wedding on Shabbos. You want the wedding to look good. And we have these concerns today with caterers. That's why you need a good hashkacha. Friday was also a concern of Chilol Shabbos. And the reason I mentioned Friday is because today it's very popular, especially in Eretz Yisrael, to have weddings on Friday. In fact, the Darche Moshe, who's the same person as the Ramah, but the Darche Moshe is his commentary on the tour, the Ramah's commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, so he brings down in Simon Samach Sif Dalit. You look in the notes over there. He says that they used to have weddings in Europe, and I know about this as well, and this goes back hundreds of years. It's continued till definitely before the war. Erev Shabbos, even in the afternoon, they would have the wedding because of Takanas Aniyim. What does Takanas Aniyim mean? People couldn't afford to have a Friday night meal and to have a Suda for the wedding. So they would end up doubling up. So they would have the ceremony take place before Shabbos. You're not supposed to get married on Shabbos. It's a concern you're going to write and issues with certain Kenyanim. But they would actually have the Suda 
And that means the Sheva Brachos at the end of the Suda would take place on Shabbos, which gives you a perspective when you learn Masechus Ksuvas, and we all can pick up our own Gemaras and Rambams, etc., that small weddings uh, is not just something of the COVID times, but they had small weddings then. And even with that, it was hard to afford it, so they would double up and uh, shows the tremendous concern. There's also another issue that comes up as well with the Takanas I don't think this is what he means by Takanas but there was another issue that Aniyam in general would go to weddings, bigger weddings back in Europe, and they would have their own tables to eat. So we want to be concerned about them. Maybe that was also an issue Friday night. They'd be maybe with their families or they'd be out of town traveling. And uh, you still see this in Eretz Yisrael. I haven't seen it here. You have Aniyam here that collect money at a wedding, but you do have tables that are set aside just for Aniyam. Okay, this was our beginning, and Mitzvah Hashem, we're going to have great learning. If somebody is interested in uh, being a sponsor for the year, please let me know if you want to sponsor Dafa Shavua. I also want you to Google Dafa Shavua, and you'll see great assets from the organization Dafa Shavua. They've done such a phenomenal job, and we're proud to partner with them.